If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out GuardianVets.com now. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. We're going to hit our sponsors here in just a second, then jump into the episode. But before we do, make sure you stick around throughout the end of the interview and check out the show notes for great opportunities for associateships, partnerships, and more. If you're a practice owner, you want to find great people, and you want to list a job opportunity or just looking for certain things that your peers out there that are veterinarians could benefit from, feel free to shoot me an email. Isaiah at veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. I will do my best to get those up at the end of different episodes. There's no charge for that. My role, my job is to connect good people with good people. So with that, we will hit our sponsors and be right into the interview. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Why do most banks always seem to be impersonal, slow to answer questions, or give you the runaround on getting money needed for your dreams? Enter Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial, a nationwide digital bank built for doctors by doctors. Whether you're a veterinarian in training, practice owner, or aspire to be one someday, Panacea Financial is designed specifically for you. It was started by two doctors who were frustrated in working with banks and so started their own to serve their community. With common sense lending guidelines and fast decisioning, they have helped doctors all across the country start, grow, and acquire their dream practice. Looking to buy into a practice, Panacea helps doctors with practice buy-in loans that are funded in a matter of days, not weeks, or months. If you're ready to join the thousands of doctors nationwide who have declared independence from traditional banks, visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to see how they can get you started with your dreams. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. Have you ever walked into a space and thought, wow, this is beautiful? There's a reason for that. Architecture has this innate ability to impact emotions and perceptions. My friends at Apex Design Build bring beautiful and functional spaces for veterinarians nationwide. Apex is a fourth generation family run company that is fully integrated from the design, architecture, and construction process. They help you mitigate risks, eliminate surprises, save money, save time, and reduce the effort on your project. Check out their amazing work and have access to their square footage calculator to help you plan your expansion or new build. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer and learn more about Apex Design Build. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with offer first. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match, it's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. 
you want to learn more, listen to episode 179 with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that. The other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay, so link in the show notes is going to take you to offer first. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to offer first directly. And offer first is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. All right, today I am happy to have a guest by the name of Dr. Lauren Jones. She owns the Animal Hospital of Chester County and is a veterinary strategist for Shepherd Veterinary Software. Note, Shepherd's been a sponsor of the podcast in the past. I'm obviously a big fan of theirs. And so this was a interview we were setting up anyways, but super unique. And we're going to get into this more and more is that Dr. Jones owns a practice while living in a separate state. And I think that's super interesting and want to dig in there. But thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. And this is your first podcast, right? It is. Yes. Which is amazing. And that's one of my favorite things to do. So I know that no one will know your background and know your history unless they know you personally. Correct. (laughs) So for those listening that don't know you, was veterinary medicine the thing at six years old that you were dead set on doing? And and that was always the case that this was where it was going to be? Or what does the journey look like for you? Absolutely. You know, it's a kind of a, for me, it's a typical road that a lot of us veterinarians take, you know, six, seven, eight, that's all I ever wanted to be. And I flirted with, you know, like some physical therapy, human medicine. When I was in uh, high school, did some volunteering, came to the realization that a thing that we say in vet med, that humans are gross. And so a little flirtation with human medicine and came right back to veterinary medicine. I knew all along I wanted to be a practice owner. So just GP, small animal, that's where my heart was since I was younger. I've had horses and all of that, but typically small animals kind of where I gravitated. So Yeah. So since I've been very young and graduated and owned my first practice five years later, so pretty uh, consistent, (laughs) the plan. So yeah, knowing that you want to be an owner, I think is interesting because there's always this conversation, especially recently that no one wants to own practices, which I don't buy into at all. But what was the practice purchase like for you? Did you buy a practice that you worked in? Was it one that you had known about and had your eye on? Was it local to you? Kind of what's the context there? So my first hospital was the hospital I went into right out of vet school. So graduated in 2010, knew I wanted to be an owner, told the, when I was interviewed, my bosses was like, Hey, you know, maybe it's not this place, but just so you know, like I want to own a practice one day. So I'm not going to be here for 20 years. Maybe if in five years you want to sell, then I'll be here. Potentially it was important to me, one, as a new grad that I got my feet wet as a vet. I don't need to learn how to be an owner at the same time as being a vet. I wanted to be, you know, have solid foundation in my skills as a doctor. Although, you know, I took some business courses in vet school and everyone recommends to be at, at the practice for five years at least so that you know your clients, the community. It's not as 
shell shocked. And, you know, you're not a shell shocked when you get there and go, oh man, I made a mistake. So I knew I wanted to be there at least five years. And that's actually what it ended up being. So I graduated in 2010. In 2015, the owners of the practice came to me and said, hey, we talked about this. You know, we had been kind of talking all throughout the years too. But, you know, it's time. We, we want to get out. So that's how I got my first hospital. You know, the very first place I worked, that's the first hospital that I owned. Was there anything that was making you really nervous as you were stepping into practice ownership? So you knew the skeletons in the closet, you knew any of the, the good things, the bad things, all that, you knew the team. So that helps because you weren't going into a sure. brand new hospital. Was there anything that was like really making you nervous going into that practice purchase? Well, I think a couple things. Short term was once the hospital was in my name and it's all me, it was, can I make payroll next week? I think we probably maybe had 20 people on staff at that point. Their livelihoods now depend on me. And that was terrifying. That kind of failure, it's not just me. It's obviously could have gotten loans, help from family, but that was a really big one. But also when I went into it, culture is so important to me. And you hear so many stories of burnout and horrible bosses, funny movies aside. And I wanted to do the best that I could for them. And you know, a lot of veterinarians were not great at failure. We're not really taught how to fail. And so that was my biggest concern was that I approached every decision with what is best for the business and what is best for my employees. And if those two things weren't the same thing, nine out of 10 times, I was going with what was best for my employees because I wanted to do right by them and make it a culture worth coming to work, worth just being happy. And I think happier employees make better employees and make better medical decisions and I really wanted to cultivate that and have a place people were happy to come to work and myself included. You know, I wanted to be part of that. So I knew I'd kind of figure it out along the lines. I knew I would have to have some stumbles, but I wanted to create a culture and to succeed there. I know I'm like, keep digging in on the practice side, but was no, it's great. So those decisions, like it's a great framework, right? What's best for the business? What's best for the team? Picking the team over that? Because ultimately the team is going to be what dictates that. Was there ever... Like, do you have a good example of a decision that was like, this might not be the best thing for the bottom line, but the best thing for the team longer term that you want to share? Oh, that's a great question. And I say that with a, you know, like the one out of 10 times is like, well, we got to keep the lights on guys. You know what I mean? Like, so obviously we're not going to take it down that way, but I think right now it's really looking at things that we don't have and we're not unique and everything I'm going to say right here is not, you know, I'm not the first one to come up with these ideas, but with some of those decisions mostly uh, revolving around finances in terms of, you know, I I want my staff to be paid at the higher end of what their job should get or, you know, whatever they should receive. I want to pay them well. But it's also about, you know, we pay for long-term and short-term disability for all our staff, you know, just for us so that if they are pregnant and go on leave, if they have any kind of injury, that they still have money coming in, that they don't have to worry about that. And that comes right out of our, we don't ask them to pay to contribute anything as long as they've been there after 90 days, then they go on our account paying for their health care. So that, that's a huge concern for a lot of staff members. So, you know, we do that whenever possible. But an employee, you know, we have an assistance program where we pay for it so that if they need access to legal, financial counselors, that they don't have to worry about paying for it and that they have access to all of these just different consultants. So I love change and I love trying new things out. And whenever I would hear about something, read about something, my husband owns the practice with me. He's not a veterinarian. He does most of the financial side. We talk about med all day and we'd be at the dinner table and go, oh my gosh, I heard about this. And what do you think? You know, do you think we can do this for our, is this a better benefit for them? And then we'll kind of spitball and we like to try things out. I'm not afraid of change. I like that challenge. But that means that with all of these things that we try to provide for our staff, it means that our margins are lower than corporate, which I 
never trashing corporate, but I don't think that's what's best for vet med. And I am really proud to be a veterinarian owner, definitely in a non-traditional way, but I don't want to go corporate. And so that means I might not have a 20% return that I'm taking home every year. Maybe I'm taking 10. As long as I can keep the lights on and it still makes sense, you know, obviously I have to make a living too, but it's not crazy. And so that is, you know, I think the downside, but man, if my staff is happy and if I can sleep at night, knowing that I'm not that horrible boss who makes everyone miserable, then that's worth it for me. Yeah. And I hope everyone caught the film reference when you, when you made you. that. Yes. Earlier. I, was like, I totally caught it. I was like, I got it. I'm just calling that out. Um, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but uh, that was great. It's and, one of my favorites. Um, yeah. So when you took over and bought them out, did you let anyone go on the team? Was there anyone that you, okay, they stayed. I was curious with you being there for five years, if there was anyone that it was a hard transition to see you as part of the team to be the owner, right? Because right. I think sometimes that's a tricky transition. So there were a few, the hospital at that time did have, oh, they owned two hospitals. They were like sister hospitals. They kept retained some people, but I, so it wasn't like I fired them. Gosh, it wasn't that long ago, but now I don't think we fired anybody. I don't remember anything that, sorry, that wasn't right. a very clear answer. <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. It's like, I got to think that's been a minute, right? Um, it wasn't anything yeah. dramatic at least, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you talked about you and your husband both owning the practice. He's doing his role. You're doing kind of the, the clinical role. How do you move from Pennsylvania to Arizona and still retain ownership? And like, what's the, like, I guess walk us through that conversation to what you're doing and how you run that today. Yeah. So we had the two practices. It was a, a little bit do as I say, not as I do. So I try to make sure that no one goes into overtime who doesn't want overtime, get home, get to your families. That's more important. And I do that myself, right? So the one hospital, I was working 80 plus hours on call all the time. And a lot of that comes with ownership, right? So if I have an employee who's sick, well, somebody has to be on call. And so that's going to be me. That's how it is. But I missed a lot of my young kids' life events and holidays with family, lots of those things. So I, I didn't really follow my own culture rules that I tried to promote for my staff. So in 2020, some of the doctors who worked for me um, at the hospital that I was putting in a ton, a lot of time said, Hey, we want to be owners. What do you think about selling to us? And so it wasn't what I had maybe envisioned for that path, but I went, man, I was frankly burnt out and not enjoying it and not enjoying vet med and feeling stuck. And my gosh, how I went through all of this school. This is what I wanted to do since I was six. All this money, a staggering debt. And I don't want to use this degree. Like, what am I doing? And all of this guilt and all my family and friends, I try to talk to them and they'd say, so you're not going to be a real vet anymore? Like, what are you going to do? You know? So when my employees came to me and wanted to buy the practice from me, I went, yeah, let's talk about it. And that worked out. So we sold the one hospital to them. I had a second hospital that I had purchased in 2017 that I stayed on there, but I wasn't as integral as a doctor there. I did more management. And so a couple months later, sold the practice, COVID hits, right? Everything's crazy. My husband has to get a, a new job and it's in Phoenix. So we looked at each other and went, how is this going to work? You stay and I go, do we sell this practice? But I didn't have anybody that I wanted to sell it to and wasn't really ready to be done with practice ownership. And like I mentioned earlier, I don't feel right with going to corporate. Everyone makes up their own decisions. I'm not here to judge that. But for me, my staff, where I see vet med being its best for not only you know the staffing, but for clients and ultimately patients is privately owned and operated. So I said, hey, look, let's go to Phoenix. I like warm weather. Let's see, set my staff down and said, I'm going to come back every month or so. 
I we're cloud-based with our management software. So I can log in. I do everything that I can for them that way. All of our prescription refills, they're not having to deal with that. All of our staff, payroll, HR, time off, staff scheduling, anything that isn't looking at an animal in your hands, I try to take off their plate. And then I go back once a month, I meet with them, you know, control drug counts that I have to do. I take them out for happy hour, touch base, trying to get a pulse of it with an in addition meeting with my medical director every week or so, just to making sure we're kind of on the same page. So it's been kind of an incredible journey. I've never been happier and I've really found joy in my life again as a veterinarian. And it's not traditional, but I'm still able to, I'm happy while also I didn't have to compromise. I didn't have to sell to someone I didn't want to and screw over my staff and my employees. I didn't have, you know, I can still provide for them and create that culture, maintain that culture at my hospital. That's how I got here and it's going well and it's scary for them. I understand. They're like, you live in Arizona, the hospital's in Philadelphia, you've got a cell suit. And I try to sit them down whenever I, I can and just, you know, hey, look, you know, when I, I want to do it differently. When I bought my first hospital, we weren't allowed to talk to anybody. And they came in one day and said, the old owners are out, Lauren's in. That's really scary for staff. So I am doing everything I can to talk to my staff and ensure that we're not, hey guys, when the time comes, I'm going to sit you down and go, what do you guys want? You want like to do a cooperative like, ownership or, you know, anyone here want it? Do you guys want corporate? They do have great benefits and things like that. And there's a lot of downside. Like, what do you want to do guys? Let, let's talk about it. And also make sure that if I'm ready, whenever I'm ready to sell, that they're getting a benefit out of that, not just me. So there's a lot of bumps and things that we've navigated, but it's been almost, I guess, two two years, a little over two years now. Sorry. And I can get Absolutely. like rambling and like going no, on. No, so no, you no. can also like cut me off. <laughs> no, this is the whole idea of the podcast. And I think I joked when we had connected first is like, for me is to ask good questions and then just shut the hell up and let the guests talk. <laughs> and that's perfect. I was going to ask how long, so it's been a little over two years. What's been the biggest, oh crap moment that you've had to kind of navigate through if you're comfortable sharing? Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, before we moved out to Phoenix, one of our staff members was going through chemotherapy and was really sick. And we just said, Hey, you've got a job here. I worked in reception for six months. I took her place and I'm used to filling in. Somebody's sick. I'm there. And I think that's been the hardest part. We had three big key players in the hospital had something happen, whether it was illness or they had to move because of their partner or whatever, what, you know, but three big doctors, medical, or I'm sorry, my um, hospital manager, all this have to leave at the same time. And I can't rescue them in the, the way that I usually would just jumping in and like, I'll do everything. So I think that's been the scariest part is that I can't be hands-on when I feel like I need to be hands-on. And that feels like I'm letting my staff down. So trying to just increase communication at those times and what do you need? How can I help? And being a little bit, you know, again, thinking outside the box and okay, we don't have anybody who can answer the phone today. Well, we're a VoIP system, so I can answer it from Phoenix. It's not going to be perfect, but let me answer the phone calls for a little bit, you know? And so I think those have been the most challenging is when there's something major, like a staff turnover, somebody's sick, and I need to be there for my staff. Yeah. How do you all communicate best? I mean, are you using Slack? Is it a... Yeah. So we use Slack and then, you know, just for general things and I'll share, I caught a couple of snakes out here, but then it's getting hot and we're getting snakes. So shared a bunch of pictures there. So it's fun stuff just to try to kind of stay 
so that they know I'm, I'm a real person. I'm not, you know, the, you know, cause as we get new staff members, they don't know me like the older sure. staff members do. And I'm a real person. I'm not Oz behind any curtain that, but also real things. You know, I put my, our meeting agendas on there for the technicians and the doctor meetings and my medical director meetings. They know that most of the time I'm there throughout the day and they can, Hey, you know, this isn't in as a product. How, what's the pricing on this? So, so it's mostly Slack and then meet once a week, just over the phone with my medical director. If you can improve the health of an animal, you do it, right? Of course, that's what makes veterinarian special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They wanna help you Improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they've prioritized having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. Outside of Shepherd, what's your favorite tool that you all utilize within the practice? This was kind of nerdy, but um, I love it. We <laughs> a couple of years ago, or no, I guess it was last year, we got a new microscope, which is really silly and ridiculous. But Cytology is great. It has this beautiful LED screen on top, so we get to share. So it becomes this learning environment when we're there and go, "What am I looking at?" And then you can step back and you can talk to the doctors and go, "Oh, we're right here, and you see this right here, and the nucleus of this cell, and." And so we get to this brainstorming session that is like a round table while you're all looking real time at the same thing and also teaching. I think it's great to, obviously we're not like a teaching facility, but new staff members, staff members who want to take on that. Hey, let me show you how, what an ear cytology looks like. This is a rod bacteria. This is a coxide. This is yeast. So it's been a great learning tool, but also, you know, I love technology. I love, I geek out on that. So if I can, it's, it's like I said, that's a nerdy response, but <laughs> that's my favorite piece of equipment there. <laughs> I mean, if you're true to being a veterinarian, like I would expect nothing less, right? Like it needs to be like that. That should be the reply. I thought you might go business, but I like it. That's good. No, that's great. Yeah. So what does a veterinary strategist do? So, right. You have this other role. I do. The work that you do with Shepherd. So let's talk a little bit about that. So I've had a long relationship with Shepherd. I moved both of my practices in 2018 um, to the cloud-based software, which was major for me. And, you know, like we had headaches with paper records and all of that. So I've known them since 2018. I was one of the first 15 practices to sign up with them. Most of the people who, you know, I onboarded with are still there. Obviously, Shepherd's growing, so there's a lot of newer faces now. But I've kept in great contact with them. And I always joke that one of the reasons I went with Shepherd was because while I love beautiful software, it's intuitive, it's how vets think, but it also the employees there, man, I'd go have a beer with them. Like, let's go get a beer, guys. And I want that. I don't want the stuffy Impromeds and all of the other PIMs out there. They're fun people. So I have kept in contact with them. And so now when my hospital, we close at 5.30 every day. But with the time difference, now that's 2.30 for me. So I'm going, all right, what am I going to do here? So Shepard had reached out to me. So again, you know, I've always been someone who they could call on to be like, hey, can you talk to this practice? They want to talk to an existing user. So they knew I was already comfortable in that role. So they brought me on last year in the part-time capacity so that I have a lot of different hats, which is great. And it really fills that challenge for me, but also that non-traditional role of I'm still using my degree, but in just kind of a really unique way. Part of my job with Shepard is that 
onboarding clinics, helping them. I can show them my clinic live. Here's how we do this. Here's how we walk through our SOAP, our medical records, set up our admin, all of that. Potential clients, I'll do the same thing to see if they, you know, like, hey, you know, it's not every PIMS is for everybody. So let me show you mine. But then what really is just, I'm so excited that they have kind of let me on to help with features and from a veterinarian's perspective, right? So would this help a veterinarian? And obviously I'm a small animal. I'm not mobile. I have a good idea of those things. It's not perfect, but I can say for the vast majority, at least for small animal GP, yes, this is great. No, it's not. Hey, I can come up with ideas. But really where I'm really just falling in love with my profession again is that we're talking about wellness check-ins for that integrated into the software. And so most people just think, oh, whatever, it's software. It's just kind of running in the background. But that's where Shepherd were independently owned. So that's also speaks near and dear to my heart. You know, we're not owned by this big corporate, big farm, anything like that. And we are able to make these decisions. And Shepherd looks to me to say, hey, how can we do this? Would this be helpful? And I talked earlier about myself being burnout and not loving vet med and Suicide rates are huge amongst veterinarians, two to five times that of the general public. And so the thought of being able to look at, again, thinking outside the box and saying, yes, it's veterinary software, but it can be more and we can reach more people with that. So, you know, the same culture component that I look at with my practice, can we make this with all Shepherd users? And we're in really early stages now, but thinking about some sort of staff wellness check-in so that it's a fun, silly way that people can answer a couple questions, nothing, you know, when they log into Shepherd, answer questions about how they're feeling that day. I mean, that might be like GIFs, you know, or GIFs, like never remember how to say it, but, uh, (laughs) you know, pick which one and then somehow anonymously get that back to the hospital owners or management, then they'd be able to go, Hey, you know, looks like we've had a decrease in staff morale. What's going on? Did we lose somebody? Did we hire somebody who's like toxic to the culture? What's going on? Talking to different organizations out there, nonprofits and companies who are dedicated to staff well-being and sustainable staff well-being. I think this is just a really exciting way, you know. So again, lots of hats within Shepherd, but that's really where I'm finding a lot of passion and joy in how can I help not just my staff, but anyone who's using Shepherd in this light of knowing vet meds in a bit of a crisis and we have to change it. We have to talk about it, which is why I'm really happy you brought it up here too, because we have to talk about it and not be embarrassed about it and come up with real solutions. And again, this might not work. Maybe the staff, the check-in within the software isn't the right way to go, but man, let's try it. Let's try to bring joy to vets and doesn't have to be the way it is. And, and I think that there are lots of ways that we can try to make a change and a, a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea of a GIF or a meme or something that is kind of like goofy and or funny, but having a way to, you know, however you back it with like, this is what it means right. and how it all translates. Yeah, yes. like you, that's the hard part you all could figure out. But I, I like the <laughs> idea because it is something that's, again, it's going back to being human and it's not so... Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't need to be stuffy or feel like, oh my gosh, this again, and click, 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 click. It might be something that people look forward to and or find funny. But what about the favorite feature that you found with your hospital? You talked Mm -hmm. about it as you talked to others within Shepherd. What is the thing in the PIMS that you're like, this has been super helpful. I've seen a big impact or a change for us. There's a lot. When I first onboarded my clinics, we were in Shepherd 1.0. And I think... In general, what I love about them is that, about Shepherd in general, is that we are constantly evolving and changing. And 
trying to be better. And so there's new features. And 1.0, when, when, you know, 2018 Shepard looks so much different than, than 2023 Shepard in just these beautiful ways. I would say, you know, it's the making things a lot more efficient. There's a couple examples, like one, medical record notes. So when we do a spay procedure, most of the time, every doctor has their own script of exactly how we prepped, how the surgery went, what the closure was to go home meds. And we're typing this or writing it again and again and again. Within Shepherd, there's automatic medical record notes. So you just click on it, edit it. Oh, maybe I didn't use PDS. I used monocurl suture, enter it there. And now my medical, my surgical record, which might take me five to 10 minutes sometimes, 20 seconds and I'm done. So that's really the point of being really fast, get in, get out, get home to your families. And, you know, so I love that, but also what we're doing for client education. Within the last year, we partnered with LifeLearn, which is a client education tool where we can get the discharges. So there's this great way integration within Shepherd where you can search anything. This dog has heartworm disease. The owners know nothing about it. And we can just easily search within Shepherd, search LifeLearn's uh, list of their informational articles and attach it to our discharges within two clicks. And then now we can email it to the client. We can print it. Now it's in the the medical record, but also we're educating our owners on things that maybe we don't have. um, Heartworm's complicated. you know. We don't have that time to talk to them, maybe right then, and send them home with something. So I think those are the things that it's making the lives of vets easier. And patient care ultimately is what wins there. So it's a win-win for everybody, clients, patients, and staff. Yeah. Big fan of LifeLearn. They're a sponsor of the podcast. So there's oh, a reason they? why. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah they are. So <laughs> be great, great plug. You didn't even know that. That's, uh, but yeah, they do a great job at yeah communication, marketing, all kinds of good stuff. So they've been a great partner for a lot of veterinary hospitals and clinics around the country for a number of years. What advice would you give for someone that is an owner, potential owner? Because we'll come across on my day job, right? So at Vincere, we'll, we'll work with a lot of folks that are doing a startup are like, hey, maybe my story wasn't like Laura's and it didn't work out with the acquisition or the buy-in. I'm going to go do my own thing. How does a current owner that maybe already has a PIMS, but knows there's some issues, how do you select a new one, right? I'm not going to necessarily say like, give me the sales pitch for Shepard, but like, how do you go through the evaluation process? Well, and I think, and especially speaking to what you just said about, you know, not just the Shepard's pitch, but part of what I always talk to people when when it's a potential client is not every PIMS is for every practice. And we'll be the first ones to say that. And I think that goes back to the culture and like, we're not going to just push this on somebody when it's not the right fit. So I think it's really going through your own workflows and knowing what is it you're looking for and what's important to you and taking whatever that is and duplicating it in whatever PIMS you're looking at. And honestly, it's looking at side by side and okay, I'm going to look at Impermed, these five things that are important to me in my practice and do that with everyone that you're looking at. And go from there. So it's that. And also part of it is, and what I said about, you know, I, I want to like the people who back the product. Do you want a big company? Cause maybe they're maybe more financially stable, less likely to go under also maybe less, more likely to get purchased by somebody else. And now it's renamed or, you know, not going to be continued anymore. Do you want to, I'm from Philly. We like the underdogs, right? So I like supporting small business like I said, I was one of the first 15 and now we're over 200. So what's important to you? I think it's matching your culture and your values with that of the software. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. It reminds me a little bit almost from a financial planning perspective. It's like, what are we solving for? What are we trying to get to? And then what tool or what decisions allow that to happen? And it's the same thing where 
depending on how you run things, this may or may not be the right fit. But yeah. no one wants to be like, yeah, you should do this. And let me twist your arm. And then you hate right. it. And then all you do is complain and call, just right, right. tell everyone how much you hate it, right? Like that's not good for the marketing department to fix that. So I get that. What's something, and it could be about our conversation earlier. It could be about Shepherd in general. It could be personal life. What's something I haven't asked you about that's on your heart or mind? And it could be, mm. yeah, take that anywhere you want. You know, it's kind of relating to what we were talking about, but something that I would encourage everyone, you know, I, like I said, I love change and that's for my personal life as well. And all of this, the practices being, you know, living in one place, practices in another state, I've really just embraced life. And it goes along with why I'm so passionate about wanting other vets, especially my colleagues, my coworkers, you see them struggling, but embracing life. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing it's, it's silly, you know, like you're a teenager and you think, you know, everything now it's like, Hey, I don't know anything. And I want to just learn everything that I don't know. And getting out there, it was a huge, it was the first time I moved away from my family when we, we moved here and it's been an incredible journey. And it was scary as all get out and challenging myself to get out, you know, get outside comfort zones, talk to new people. I'm, I'm, pretty much an introvert. I'm not a huge extrovert going out, putting myself out there, but man, I'm, I'm trying now. And it has been life-changing, frankly. I love who I am more evolving as a person and just, I don't want stagnant in my vocabulary. So yeah, I think that's been my last two years kind of life revelation is let's not be stagnant. Let's embrace life. Let's chase life. That kind of yeah. Reasonable. There, there's no <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> Everything's <answer>. reasonable. <laughs> um, but in general, though, like as you become an adult, you come in your you know like professional career. Let's say you have a partner, get married, have kids, all this other. Like, how do you make friends in an adult? Is the question I always ask. Right? Like, it is a weird question, but it's there's so much truth to that. And so when you move to a new it area, right? Tough. Like, that's very different. How are you going to make those relationships? And how do you do that? And you'd be like, it's just strange because. I think it's like seven years. So once you have a friend for seven years, like those are kind of like lifelong friends, but then there's people sure. and it's okay if people come through your life through a season and it's like, we're good friends. And then me, and I think that's fine where a lot of people struggle with that. There's certain seasons, you know, you're yeah. connected and close with people and there's sometimes they move on and that's a natural part of just life in general. And that's something I've noticed for sure. Totally agree. I've always used the phrase pruning the friendship tree. And sometimes that's me doing the pruning. Sometimes that's life doing the pruning. Sometimes the other friend does the pure pruning and that's okay. And then in order for that tree to really grow, sometimes you have to not have those relationships anymore. Those relationships change. And I firmly believe everyone comes into our life in different times and different ways for a reason. We might not know what that reason is, but they're there. And I am so fortunate that I have found in a short period of time, this incredible group of friends here. Maybe there's 20 or so, but maybe 10 who I'm really close to. I immediately hit it off with them and they've got my back and I feel like they've known me for 10 years and just incredible humans who make me want to be a better human every day and kind and generous and just leading their lives with kindness. Those are the kind of people I want to be around. And I think that's, you know, looking back like crazy moving to Phoenix, but I have created just these bonds with people and I'm so thankful for it. Yeah. That's interesting because you say that you're an introvert, but yet going like I feel like I'm pretty extroverted, but like I'll go and travel and sometimes I'll chat with people, but sometimes I'm like, I don't like I've it depends on the day. Sometimes it's like I'm not there for it. Like sure, it, sure. And maybe you miss that opportunity, but yeah, it's interesting that you could make that connection in a, a place like that. So, so many times people are on their phones and I'll raise my hand as being guilty, but if you 
aren't and you actually are there to enjoy whatever you're doing. Right. Sometimes that's an easy way to maybe talk to other people. So it's cool. And that, exactly. You know, and that, that goes back to, you know, when I was saying, you know, putting myself out there and I never would have done that before, but when I, I kind of really embraced this, Hey, I'm going to chase life and we're going to move to Phoenix. And I don't know, you know, a soul, I don't have any friends out there, but like, gosh, darn, I'm going to try, you know, and Hey, that's a pretty bracelet. I don't even, I don't even know how the conversation started, but putting myself out there and going, Hey, let's try this. And I'm sure there were lots of times where people rolled their eyes at me and walked the other way, but all right. No sweat. I got thick skin, you know? So yeah, um. <laughs> well, you leave with the same amount of friends as you walked in at that point, right? Like right. the, the downside yeah. <laughs> is pretty limited. I don't know who you are. It's That's cool. right. Whatever. I sometimes remember other times don't. You can ask me any question that you want because I've been firing Ooh. questions your way and making you answer things. So it can be serious. It can be silly. It can be something that is vet med related, non-vet med related and ask all kinds of questions. Is there anything that you would want to ask? Yeah, I've got a good one. So if I wasn't a veterinarian, I think maybe my second life calling would have been a paleontologist. I am somewhat obsessed with dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, everything dinosaur obsessed with. Got my T-Rex on my arm. So super nerdy. But I'm going to ask you what your favorite dinosaur is. Ooh, that's a good question. A, Jurassic Park. I really, really always liked that movie. Loved it. Now, I haven't watched as many of the newer ones because they've been so bad. But the, the, (laughs) the original is so good. The other thing, I have young kids as well. My son will be four in June. Never picking up on animals and dinosaurs. He's much more like the construction truck, like emergency vehicle stuff, but he's just not into animals or dinos. It's funny. So I'm like, I don't know what our next one will be, but he never wants that stuff. So favorite dinosaur. I don't know. I think part of, because of Jurassic Park, I always liked the velociraptors because they were always so smart, right? And they were all able to like scheme and think through. And like some of the scenes, now again, there's certain scenes in that movie with obviously the T-Rex is the big scene where it first breaks out, the power goes out and you know, that whole thing. But the tap, 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 like in the room later on when they're like in the kitchen, like that is so great. And I think that's partially why that's been, but yeah, that has to be it for me just because of Jurassic Park. Absolutely. And that's one of the most terrifying scenes ever. Totally. Like still to this day, like I'm like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, That's I just fun. think of. Good answer. Uh, I like Velociraptor. I won't give it the credit. I'm not even going to try. But it's like when he says like "smart girl" and then he gets like you know attacked right there, like that. Clever girl. Oh yeah, clever girl. See, yeah. Yeah, I knew I was going to mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that whole just the way of like the way that they set that up is is wonderful. So excellent movie. I like it. I wasn't going to ask about tattoos, but that's cool. Appreciate sharing. And again, for yeah. those not watching on YouTube, they won't get to see, so they got to go subscribe. <laughs> I. Uh, that's right. In closing, where should people reach out and connect with you? So if they want to just chat with you in general, give them a handoff and then, yeah, Shepard, if they're looking for PIMS, want to chat through things saying, hmm, I have some questions. I'd like to talk to someone that is a user, also a practice owner. Uh, What does that look like? So, you know, my email, and I can send it to you afterwards as well. I think you might have it already. Shepard related, lauren at shepard.vet. I can get you in contact for demos, all of that, or life stuff too, you know, and I always tell people whether you go with Shepherd or not, it takes a village. And so if you're, you know, practice owner and you just want to reach out and you don't go with Shepherd, like, I don't care. Let's talk. You know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And just to have community and to have somebody who's got your back and whether that's venting or whatever it is, you know, like I'm here for it. So email's good. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Facebook. So I can, you know, send you that stuff and, you know, get in contact that way. Perfect. We'll put it in the show notes. Really, really appreciate the time. Perfect. Great to connect. And that was easy. See, first podcast done. Now that you have all, a bunch done. more from here. So. <laughs> Perfect. But thank you. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, great, great conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Have a great rest of your day. 
All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends, Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. ProSal is the pay structure. Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 850-864-1857. Join a thriving, growing, small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full-time ideal, part-time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients and clients in outdoor woman's paradise while uh, being able to practice high-quality medicine. Compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. Literally, it is the owner wants to find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through, and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos. Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available to practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you, full-time or part-time available. Small animal and exotics are both seen there, so no ER, no on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic, so type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital, personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five doctor mixed animal practice in Northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs, six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. No on-call, a uh, 24-hour ER less than an hour away. Salary based on experience, but no less than 95,000. Can be straight salary, pro-sal considered. Want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to watertownpetcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out. Let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know. And we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. If you want or need financial advice, my day job on Not Podcasting is helping veterinarians grow their net worth. Our team is taking new clients and we are ready to talk to you at any stage of life. Come as you are. I always say bring the mess, right? Like if things are unorganized, that's okay. There's no prerequisites to become a client. Isaiah Douglas is a partner at Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. The biggest compliment you can give me in the podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcast is the platform that is predominantly used 
for people listening to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Also, the new YouTube channel is up and I'd love to have you subscribe. Vainly, I want 100 subscribers at least. Lots more, obviously, right? But I get a vanity URL if we get to 100. That would be great. It makes it easier to find the YouTube channel as well. For all of today's links, information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. It'll be a link to that YouTube channel I just talked about. You won't miss any other episodes, whether you listen on Spotify, whether you have some other ancillary podcast platform please like, subscribe, all that stuff. It certainly does help. I appreciate it. Finally, if you want more information, insights, want your voice to be heard, want to share ideas for content, say, hey, Isaiah, I want you to have this guest. I want you to talk about this topic. Go over to the Facebook group. So you can search for the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom about your host, click on the Facebook icon, and that'll get you in the group. But thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me to be able to see the podcast grow and continue to impact people. So with that, until next time, we'll chat soon.